One of my favorite things this, well, not this time of year, but this time every four years is the Olympics that we get to watch. I'm there in Tokyo this year and I watch the opening ceremonies. Love that. Um, last night I was all about the swimmers. I mean, if you watched that last night, I can't swim two links in a pool, but I was all about it. I was doing the, I mean, literally I have ribs and ice cream on my lap and I was backstroking, stroking on the couch going, you gotta be in shape. You gotta be in shape. You gotta be in shape. I was so all about it. Side note, I was supposed to do the little stream welcome we do before the service online. And I was in my office and I realized I was about 10 seconds late. And I ran from my office all the way to the stage and I could hardly breathe in the stream welcome. So anyway, so that's how ready I am for the Olympics. But I just love it. It's one of my favorite things. And I'll watch as much of it as I can. Can't, can't wait till the wrestling comes on. Track and field and Winter Olympics in a couple years. I'm all about that. I love that. And I tell you that because this morning... I want to talk about one of my favorite things when it comes to our church, when it comes to the kingdom of God, really when it just comes to life. And that is this idea that's such a big, big deal around here. We call it baptism. And every couple of years, I just like to talk about baptism because it really is a big deal. In fact, we say it's one of the biggest wins at our church. And if you've been around um, our church at all, you've witnessed this over the last couple months. We've had more baptisms recently than maybe we ever have in one time together. And I just want to talk about it today because here's what I know. If you're a Christian, you probably have some thoughts on baptism because you were raised maybe with some ways baptism was done and you had traditions around that. And if you're not a Christian, you may have some thoughts on it too. Like maybe it's just really weird that they baptize people. So I want to talk about it in that vein. But we've all seen it or experienced or heard about it. And I kind of wanted to bring us on the same page as a church. But here's the thing you need to know. No, I've really not been pulling many punches this summer. I've just been trying to be as upfront as I can. I want you to know this, that today I simply have an agenda. And the agenda is this. At the end of the day, um, for everyone in the room that's a Christian and needs to be baptized, I want you to get baptized. I'm just telling you up front, that is what my goal is because I think it's one of the best things that you can do in your faith. And if you're not a Christian, what I hope happens today is you feel this appeal that God loves you and you would start checking in to faith and exploring it and seeking and trying to find but I also know as I talk about this, you may have a tendency to raise your defenses around this subject. Because again, we were all raised with a certain perspective on baptism. I mean, growing up, especially in my middle school, high school years in our church, when you got baptized, everybody went out to this pond in the middle of the country and they got dunked in a pond. And so I naturally thought that's how you're supposed to get baptized. I watched my father, it was one of the greatest moments of my life as an adult male you know, community leader get baptized and go public with his faith. And so obviously I thought you have to get baptized in a pond, which was great. And that's how we did it. Some when I was a younger pastor until somebody wanted, actually it was Candy Lammers, wanted to get baptized at the end of November at all costs. And we had to break through the ice at the pond to get baptized or to baptize her. I mean, I love baptism. I'm not sure that one was worth it. That one hurt. You know what I mean? But for maybe for some of you, when you think of baptism, you think of the Baptist way of doing baptism. Or if you're Catholic, you think the Catholic way of getting baptized. And that's okay. I just wanted to walk through because maybe for you, it's adults get baptized or babies get baptized. Some people think baptism, getting dunked in the water or sprinkled water on you is like a magic wand. And if the water touches you, you automatically go to heaven. I want to talk about that for just a second. And here's why this is such a big deal. 
Because while Christians have different views and traditions around baptism, most Christians believe baptism is a really, really important part of our faith journey. And they believe that, and we believe that, because of something that Jesus said at the end of his earthly ministry. He'd done all these amazing things. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He's returning to heaven, and he gathers his strongest, closest leaders that would go change the world. And he says this to them, and Matthew records it. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And that just simply means make followers of me, people that believe in me, that follow my ways and trust me. And baptize them, that's our word for today, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus put his name on baptism in that moment, which made baptism unique and set apart. Because he said, baptize people, dunk them in the water, get them wet, and we'll talk about that in a second. It's really weird, I know. Hang with me. In the name of God the Father. And then God the Son. And he put his name like baptize him in my name because that's so unique. It's just not a general God. It's not just big invisible God. It's me you're baptizing them and in the Holy Spirit who would empower them and connect to them in all things. It was his formula, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus took this idea of baptism so seriously and, and this is why Christians agree baptism is important. Now, where we get a little foggy is, is it for babies? Is it for adults? Do you go all in? Do you sprinkle all that weird stuff? So we'll get to that in a second. But I just want to talk about the simple word baptism for a second. Because we think of this word baptism as a super spiritual word and complicated word. Here's what the word looks like in the original Greek language. It's the Greek word baptizo. In fact, I want everybody to say online in the room. Let's say this on the count of three. Ready? Baptizo. One, two, three. Baptizo. Now here's what you get to do tomorrow. Have a cup of coffee, walk into your workplace, have a donut and go, I just baptized my donut. And you can do that and then you'll impress everybody. And this is why you can say that because this word is not a super religious word. The context of it simply means to wash something, to plunge something, to soak something or dip something. It's just like a super common word. In Greek literature, they would use the word baptizo when they talked about someone drowning in the ocean. That person baptizoed in the water. Or washing clothes, I baptizo my clothes. This is my favorite, and maybe you've heard me talk about this before. In 200 BC, a guy named Candor wrote down a pickle recipe that people found thousands of years later. And it literally says you take the cucumber and you baptize dough it in vinegar where you put it in and it makes a pickle and then the pickle dies and it goes to heaven that's a terrible joke wasn't it? I've been waiting all week to tell that one yeah thanks for laughing mom I appreciate that yeah so it just dunks them that's all it simply means and Jesus says this weird thing teach people to follow me and obey me and then baptize them dunk them dip them wash them in my name. It's so interesting. But what's important to think about this, and this is just a little bit of a history lesson, that's not the origins of baptism. Before Jesus came to the planet, it was part of the Jewish process of becoming a Jew. So if you were born a Gentile, and we're Gentiles in the, in the common sense that we're not Israelites, we're not Jewish people, we're not from Israel. But if, you know, two or 3,000 years ago, you decided, I want to become a Jewish person because there's benefits to the Jewish community. And they serve this one God that's so intriguing and real. If you were going to become a Jew, Jewish person after being a Gentile, you'd have to go through a process. And the process would look like this. There'd be a circumcision, 
a covenant meal, acknowledgement of the law, a sacrifice, and a ceremonial washing. So just imagine this. You know, 2,500 years ago, I'm deciding I want to become an Israelite or a Jewish person. So you'd go to your wife, men, and you'd say, honey, I'm in this thing, and I want to be a Jewish man because it's so cool to be a Jewish person. The first thing you'd have to start out with would be a circumcision. And all the men backed out of the room slowly and said, honey, you sign up, and I'll just be the extra plus at the weddings, right? That's how that would work. Nobody wants to do this, but that was part of the process of becoming a Jewish person. And then you'd be part of a covenant meal. And the covenant meal would recognize Passover and some of the other festival feasts that they had around what God had done for his people and reflect God's goodness and his deliverance. And then you'd acknowledge the law as the guiding force in your light. The first five books, the Old Testament or the ancient Hebrew scriptures, the law, you say, I'm surrendering to the law. I'm surrendering to what God is telling me to do and I'm going to memorize it and you'd have to memorize most of it and you'd say I'm putting my trust in it. Then in this process of becoming Jewish there'd be a sacrifice. An animal would be put to death for the forgiveness of your sins which is super weird in our culture because we don't do that but it foreshadowed and you know this every time there's a sin someone has to pay. Every time there's a mistake someone has to pay for that. It's the way the world works. You see it every day in life. And Jesus was a sacrifice for our sin. And it foreshadowed Jesus is dying on the cross. And then ultimately, after you went through all that, there would be a ceremonial washing. And this is what we're talking about today. And here's what's interesting. Um, Like most of us, you would wash yourself. You would bathe yourself before you went into the temple, before you took part in worship. And what you were saying is, I am literally scrubbing off my Gentileness. I'm washing away the old person, the old Gentile man I used to be, my old sin. And now the new is emerging clean as a Jewish follower of the one true God. Now here's what's really important. No one washed you, like most people, no one washed you. But that was about to change. And through all this, this was associated with the word baptism or baptizo. And that's how you became a Jewish person. And I tell you that because that's the backdrop for 30 AD. When a wild-eyed crazy man emerges from the wilderness, eating locusts and honey, wearing weird clothes, eyes that would freak you out if you looked in his face, hair out to here, maybe a little dirty and a little smelly, but he was a wild man named John. And he brought this message that God is about to do something amazing in our world. God is about to show up, and if you don't pay attention, you're going to miss what God is doing. And he would say crazy things like, being Jewish is not good enough anymore, and going to the temple is not good enough anymore, and you can't obey your way back to God because we're all so broken and sinful. You can't obey enough to get back to God. And being a child of Abraham isn't going to get you there. His message was so simple. God is about to do something brand new in this world, so quit sinning. And repent, because if you're sinning, you're going to miss it. And the Messiah is going to walk right by you, and you're going to miss it. And here's what's so fascinating. The people he was speaking to as much as anyone else were the religious leaders of the day. And so we think, quit sinning and repent. We think, oh, so he was picking out the worst of the worst. Well, he probably was. It just happened that the worst of the worst in their own way were the religious leaders. And then John would do this weird thing. 
John would say, quit sinning and repent. And then he would invite people to the Jordan River. This is really important. The Jordan River is where people came when they washed their clothes. They got water. They fed their animals. Kids swam on hot days. It was like a big community center, the Jordan River was. And he would say, all right, if you're going to follow my message, quit sinning and repent. I want you to come in the water and I'm going to wash you. I'm going to dunk you. I'm going to dip you in the water. I'm going to baptize you. And it's where we, John gets his really famous name, John the Baptist. Now, I, I hate to spoil it for all you Baptists in the room, because you thought he was John the Baptist because he was Baptist. That's not why his name was. He was John because he baptized people. You could also call him John the Washing Man. Isn't that a great name for him? He was just John the Washing Man. But now you're going to wash yourself. Someone else is going to wash you, and it symbolized that someone else would have to sacrifice for your sins. Someone else would have to stand in the gap for what you could not do. And someone would ultimately die on the cross for what you'd done wrong. And what John was bringing was the beginning of a brand new thing. And it wasn't about circumcision. It wasn't about Passover meals, although those are all you know, conversations to have. This was a brand new thing that was going to change the world. So here's what's interesting. When people would get baptized by John, they would identify with his message. And John became a rock star amongst everyone. For whatever reason, people were really attracted to John, even though his message was hard and it was abrasive, it was in your face. And people were acting on it and moving on it in public. In fact, religious leaders were, would come to John. Even though he was so offensive to them, and they would go, hey, are you the Messiah? And he, John would say, no. There's one coming, man, I can't even tie his shoes. He's so good. And I'm so below him, but I'm just preparing the, the way. And then one day, I love this so much. I can't stay here too long, but I love this so much. John is just baptizing people. Repent, quit sinning. Kingdom of God is coming. People are getting just dunked. John's in, in all of his, if you could say, so-called glory, right, doing his thing. And then he looks up and there's a dude standing on the side of the Jordan River. And the game changes. And John, he looks up at this man, he stops everything, and he says this, look, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And there Jesus stands on the side of the Jordan River. And John goes, he's here, he's arrived. I totally don't have time to get into this, but I'm just telling you, for some of you, you came today because you're looking for something, and John would say, he's here. He's for you. He's arrived. And then John just, you know, they, they embrace. He recognizes who Jesus is. And then Jesus does this crazy thing. He says, John, I want you to baptize me. And John's like, wait a minute. I can't baptize you, Jesus. You need to baptize me. And they almost get in this little argument over who's going to baptize who. And it's like, I know I'm going to pay for dinner. No, you're going to pay for dinner. I, you know, and finally, John relents because you don't win an argument with Jesus. And he relents to baptize Jesus. And I love this so much. John the sinner baptizes Jesus the Savior. What upside crazy world does that happen? Where a sinful man gets to baptize a perfect man, but that's exactly what Jesus came to do. Turn everything on its head. Now what's crazy about this, Jesus goes on and he starts his public ministry. And as he preaches and teaches, people would start to go, you know what, I believe in who he is, I'm following him. And what would start to happen is, Jesus' followers would baptize people. 
who were identifying with Jesus. People go, I believe, well, let's baptize you, you in public so everyone would know that you're a follower of Jesus. It was a way to identify with who you followed. And here's the cool thing. That is how baptism started. That's how we got to it 2,000 years later. And I'm about to talk about the details, but that's how it all began. And then Jesus, again, when he's about to lead the planet, he gave this imperative to his followers. Go make disciples. People that follow me and love me and trust me. And then I want you to baptize them in my name, in my Father's name, in the Holy Spirit's name. And it just went crazy. And thousands and then millions of people went public with their faith. And with that as the background today, I just wanted to give you three simple ideas around baptism. So it's as clear as we possibly can make it. So the first simple one you probably have already you know, gleaned from this is that baptism is a public declaration with a new association. It's when people say, you know what, I'm putting my trust and faith in Jesus and I want the world to know. My life has been changed. I'm putting trust in God, not me anymore or not our society. I'm trusting Jesus for everything and his truth. And I just want everybody to know I'm going public with my faith. And it's a beautiful thing to go public with your faith. Here's what you need to know. The Jordan River, remember? It was a community place. It's where everybody gathered. And so when you got baptized, everybody got to see that something was different about your life. Now, here's a little bit of a pastor complaint, if you will. I think there's a lot of people like, yeah, I'm you know, kind of a Christian. I'm a church person. I'm religious. And I'm just going to kind of keep it quiet. And on the down low. And I think John the Baptist would say, no, don't do that. Tell everybody. Get it public. Let people know who you are. There's accountability in it. There's encouragement in it. You're going to be cheered on and held accountable in the best kind of ways. Paul, the Apostle Paul, would come along years later and he would say this. He would say this. So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. You, you may not know this. Do you know when you put your faith in Jesus, you're one of his children? You're not an outsider. You're not just a buddy. You're one of his children adopted into his family. It's remarkable. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. I love this image that every time I see somebody get baptized, you can't see it because it's dark in our 500-gallon hot tub that's full of water. They go under, and it's literally like they're wrapped around in a big warm blanket in God's love. It's a little bit like you get to say, listen, I'm doing something that Jesus did and I'm putting on the same clothes, the water that Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Years ago when my son Jake was playing football um, as a sophomore, he made the varsity football team and we were so excited and there was an event and his mom got to wear his jersey to a dinner for him. And she wore that jersey so proud. You know what she was saying? That's my son. This is my son. I'm, I'm his mama. And there's this idea that when you get baptized, you're putting on, this is so weird, but it's so true, the Jesus jersey. You're identifying with the kingdom of God and the people of God. It's such a cool thing to do. And for those of you that have done it, you're like, yeah, it really is. Here's another thought about baptism. Baptism is a personal declaration of a new association. You see, baptism is a public thing, obviously, but it's also recognizing there's a point in my life that I just don't go to church or I just don't pray, or I just don't believe there's some God out there somewhere, that I actually have a personal, surrendering relationship to a God that loves me. And maybe no one's ever said this to you, so I just want to say this to you this morning. If you've never thought through the process or 
step towards, hey, I want to make a personal decision, have a relationship with God. That is what you're invited to. And that's why Jesus died. And that's why he rose from the dead. So you could go to heaven, of course, and be forgiven, of course, but you could know God personally. That's why he did it. That's why we're always inviting people to make that personal relational decision with God. And here's the deal. If you have made that decision, we want to help solidify it in your heart. Look what Paul says in Romans. He said, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And again, maybe you've never thought about this before. Maybe you have. I just want to remind you that when you put your personal trust in Jesus, you're a brand new person. I mean, it literally says in scripture, with all your wrong and all your mess and all your mistakes, you get to stand before God in that moment and for eternity as brand new. You ever hold a brand new baby? And I know they're, they're a little sinful in their own way, but have you ever hold a brand new baby and you go, this child has its whole life ahead. When you become a follower of Christ, you get a brand new life. You get a do over, if you will. You get a second chance at life with God and baptism declares that. And this is why we think it's important that you're old enough to make your decision about your faith and about your baptism. And if someone believes different, that's okay. I'm not mad about that. We just think you need to be old enough to make that decision. Here's the last really important part of baptism. That baptism is not a condition of salvation. It's evidence of salvation. Now here, this is really a big deal. Baptism is not a magic wand that you get water thrown on you and you go to heaven. I mean, truthfully, if that was it, I would pick people up. Well, when I was younger, I would do this. I'm getting a little too old to do this now. I would just pick people up, carry them over to the tub and hip toss them in and go, you're going to heaven. Wouldn't that be great? And it would be magic wand time. That's not what it is. What baptism is, is something has happened inside me. And now I just want to let the world know something has happened and I want you to know I'm identifying with God, with what he's done. So it's not magic, although I will say this. In my own baptism, and here's my baptism story, um, I was in a church as a little baby. I got baptized as a little tiny infant, which is fine. Um, My mom's here this morning. She can tell you about that. Uh, But when I became a pastor, I I was about ready to go and baptize people as adults. Um, When I was really young as a pastor, it dawned on me that I never made my own decision to be baptized. And I got baptized the night before I baptized other people at 30 years old because I wanted to make sure it was my decision. And here's what I'll tell you about my baptism. It was just weird, like, man, God's here with me. And every time around here you see somebody get baptized, it's weird. You hear people say, I can't explain it. But it's like God was right there present. And here's what I am convinced, that when God's people decide to be obedient and risk for God, he shows up in the most spectacular, wonderful ways, and something very special happens in that moment. But baptism is not a condition of Salvation. And the reason we know this is Jesus was hung on a cross. You may know this story. And there was two criminals on either side of him. And one criminal looks at him and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looks at that criminal and he says, today, not next year, not after you repent, not after you get your life cleaned up, not after you attend church, not after you get baptized, not after any of those things, but now, today, you will be with me in paradise. 
Because we believe with all of our hearts that access to heaven is faith in Jesus. We get baptized because what's happened on the inside and we let it on the outside for the world to know. So with all that, the bottom line today is if you're a Christian, you need to get baptized. And, I, and I, I'm tempted to go, well, yeah, but we'll, we'll you know, take slow steps and we'll just cush, you know, sugarcoat it. Not, it. The truth is if you're a Christian, you need to get baptized. It's really an important part of following Jesus. If you're not a Christian, you don't have to wrestle with this at all today. But if you're a Christian and you've never been baptized or it was never your decision, you need to think about this. Now, this is an important part for us. Um, form is not nearly as important as timing. So form, I mean by this, we dunk people in the big old tub because, you know, that's what the word literally means. But if someone sprinkles water on you, I don't care. That's fine. It's declaring I'm following Jesus publicly. There's places in the world, I mean, literally, they cannot spare a gallon of water, much less 500 gallons of water. So people will take a precious cup of water and dump it on somebody's head and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's awesome as far as I'm concerned. There's, there, there's families that in a moment of just desperation, they've cracked open a can of Coke and used that to baptize people because that's all they had. So we're not so worried about form. We just love to do it the old-fashioned way because it's really a cool thing to do. But what's really important to us is this idea of timing. This idea of, you know, for some of you, and we hear this story all the time, you know, I was, you know, middle school, we went to camp, and everybody else was getting baptized, and so I got baptized too, but I didn't really believe well, you should consider getting baptized as a believer now. For some of you, you know, somebody talked you into it when you were 30 just because they wanted you to or maybe your mama wanted you, but it wasn't your decision and you didn't know if you really believed, but now you believe, you should consider getting baptized. Maybe you're like me, you were a baby and you didn't even know what's going on. And you're just like, you know what? I want to do this for me. I want to do it because it's my decision. I have chosen to follow Jesus. And I've decided there's nothing better than following Jesus. And for some of you, maybe you've just never been baptized at all. Maybe many of you. I would love to invite you to be part of that. But before I do, I have to recognize one of the challenges in our church with getting baptized here. You ready for this? Everybody is scared of the video if you've been around here. Have you seen that? And I hear it all the time. I'm so scared of making that video. And I get that. And if you decide to go get baptized somewhere else, you know, and not here, I, I get it. And I, I won't be mad at you at all. Here, here's why that's important for you to tell your story. Because it's your story. And people come in here every day looking for hope. And your story is the hope that may give them hope in their life. And we do a video because we used to put people up on stage in front of 500 people with a mic and they never talked in front of a crowd before and this is what would happen. I have nothing to say. I don't even know if I'm a Christian. Because they get freaked out, right? Because they're not public speakers. And we were trying to make it easier for them. But I just want you to keep this in mind. I hope if you're a Christian, whether you're baptized or not, you tell your Jesus story to everyone you meet for the rest of your life. I hope that. That's our goal. That's what we do. But you will tell your story here, in the room and online, I know this is the scary part, to more people at one time than you may ever tell for the rest of your life. And people need to hear your story. We hear the story all the time. I came to Lifehouse, I didn't think I had a shot with God. And there was some guy or some gal telling their story and I went, okay, if there's hope for them, whew, there's hope for me. It's missional, it's missional and it matters. 
And if you've ever been around you, if you've ever experienced baptism, the way we celebrate it and cheer you on is just so very special because we're cheering on Jesus in your life. Quick, quick objection. You may think, oh, Matt, I don't have a story. I mean, I've heard some stories at Lifehouse. I just don't have a story. And I just want you to know that if you're a Christian, you have a great story because every one of us needed forgiveness. Nobody in this planet walks through life without being sinful, broken, and far from God. Every one of us, the best of us and the worst of us, really, in the end of the day, are all in the same place. And if you just had the opportunity to go, listen, I recognize even though I lived a pretty good life, I'd done pretty well, been pretty good dad, pretty good mom, but I'm still a million miles away from Jesus and I needed him. That's a great story and you need to tell it. And if you would say, okay, Matt, it's not that I don't have a story. I have a story that I'm terrified to tell. And if I told my story, everybody would leave the room. We're not going to let you tell your whole story anyway because it would freak people out. We just want you to tell the part that's most appropriate so people resonate with it. God loves them. And again, your three-minute story could change somebody's, somebody's life. Okay, I'm thinking about this, and I've got tangents running through my head, and I'm thinking about the men in our church. So, man, can I talk to you for a minute? Because I am one. Online, men, women, you're just off the hook for a second. We need you to be a part of this. We, we need men to stand up and say, listen, I'm going to be a man of faith and I'm going public with my story. And I know it's hard to share your emotions and I know it's terrifying to talk in front of people, but we need men to help lead the way because the women typically lead the way in this area. We need men to come alongside because we've got to show we're in it. We need our daughters and our sons and our brothers and our sisters to see we're in it for Jesus together. So men, can I just appeal to you the only way I know how to appeal to another man? Ready? Don't be a chicken. That's the only one thing I know how to say to men, right? Don't be a chicken. I mean, I've seen 45-year-old men run around the softball bases pulling hamstrings, and they're terrible at softball, and they're too old to do it, but they're doing it because they decide, I'm going to have courage to play softball. That's fine. Play all you want. Do the same thing for Jesus. You'll never regret it. This is emotional, and I wasn't going to say this, but your children will never regret seeing you go public with your faith. In fact, it might just set the tone for the rest of their lives. Don't rob us, any of us, any of you. Don't rob the rest of us from your story and what is God has done. So here's what I want you to do. If you're a Christian today and you're like, you know what, I need to get baptized. I, I need to get baptized. I just would love for you to text LifeHouse, uppercase, lowercase, it doesn't matter, to 21,000. And we're gonna start having a conversation. We're gonna walk you through the process. Here's what you need to know because we wanna strike when the iron's hot. This Tuesday at six o'clock, we're gonna have a baptism conversation here at church. We would love for you to let us know. You can go out to the next steps table out in the lobby and say, hey, I'm interested in baptism. We'll help you along the way. This is a huge deal. I mean, this is like one of the tenets of our faith. And we want to keep reclaiming it for something beautiful and good that God has done. Let me appeal in one last way. If you're like, yeah, okay, man, I'm freaked out by the video and I don't want to go public and I don't want to share any of that, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. I mean, I should do it, but I'm not going to do it. Or maybe I'll do it later, but you know, you're never going to do it if you wait too long. Peter, Jesus' closest friend, after he saw it, smelled it, and heard it, said he himself, bore our sins. 
oh, I'm not gonna go public with my faith. But Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross. Do you know that crucifixion 2,000 years ago was so terrible? People wouldn't even talk about it after it happened. It was so awful. People wouldn't even bring it up because it was terrifying, it was horrific. And Jesus did that for us so that we might die to the sins and live for righteousness, what we're able to do in Jesus. Because by his wounds, Jesus' wounds on a cross in a terrible way, died and we have been healed. I just think there's this, and I'm hesitant to call it an obligation because it's not an obligation. I just think there's this love response we have to what God has done. And I think this should be every part of our lives including being baptized, but every part, the way we love our spouses, the way we forgive, the way we're kind. God, in light of what you've done for me, I'm gonna do whatever you ask. And you talk to someone that's much, much older than I am and they've lived their life that way and you ask, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Was it worth it? In all these areas, you know what the answer almost always is? Absolutely, it was worth it. And I wouldn't change it for anything. So come on. There's a lot of steps we can take. There's a lot of things we're gonna be asking us to move forward this year. But being baptized is just one we should all just do if we're followers of Jesus. And this step is so easy, just to remind you, all you gotta do is text LIFEHOUSE to 21,000. And we'll help you walk down this path and we're almost 100% confident you will never regret it. And someday, somebody may say about you, I heard their story. And I realized I had hope in Jesus. And their story helped change my life. And what is better than that? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I realize for me, for all of us, taking steps of obedience is terrifying, it's hard, it's scary. But Lord, I'm just convinced we never regret it in the end. I pray this would be another step of obedience that we take, along with many others. And it'd be out of a response to the way we have been saved and loved and you have affected our hearts. Thanks that we're free in you. We're free to make a choice whether we do things or not, but the best choice is going exactly where you are, making disciples of all men and women and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.